Welcome to You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind with Katherine Potter. Are you ready to deep dive into a better understanding of how your mind, body, and relationships to everything else in your world come together? For the next hour, we invite you to embark on a journey of discovery and connections. Now, here's your host, Katherine Potter. Hello, everyone. My name is Katherine Potter, and I'd like to welcome you to You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind. For those of you who are new to the show, each week we explore topics that support the idea that everything and everyone is interconnected and in relationship. The understanding that all things are interwoven and in relationship used to be an area that philosophers, mystics, and metaphysicians explored. But through discoveries and advances in the different branches of science and technology, these ideas have now become part of our world. So, how has this awareness and need to think and act in a more integrated and holistic way impacted the expectations we have of our leaders? What abilities are needed in order to lead in a progressive, ethical, and wise manner? Today's guest is MLA for the Edmonton Riverview area, Lori Sigerson, and we are going to talk about politics, women in politics, and leading with wisdom. Welcome, Lori. I am glad to have you on our show. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. I appreciate the invitation, and I'm glad to join you today. So I always like to find out um, at first, so people come to know somebody better, what led you in this direction? So how did you get involved in politics? What 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 opened up that door for you? Okay, um, that is an important question. So I've been a social worker for about 30 years. And social work is a political profession because we're using government funds oftentimes to support people. And uh, so understanding the values of any government is important for a social worker because uh, we can't really provide our services if we don't have the support of a government. And I guess I had uh, a career where uh, there was a lot of retrenchment, uh, I'll use that word, which means there were cutbacks in public social services. And uh, quite frankly, I guess I became a little bit angry about that. Maybe not even a little bit, maybe quite a lot. <laughs> and uh, and so that kind of motivated me, but that was not enough. I It took... Um, it took a, a personal relationship, actually, to uh, sort of, uh, you know, move me into actually putting myself forward as a political official running. Uh, you know, I think pretty typical of a lot of women. Uh, we don't, uh, you know, think we can do that kind of work or um, we have, like for myself, I'm a single mom. I, I don't have lots of money. <laughs> you know, I don't have, I didn't feel like I had the connections to become a politician. And, you know, just to be at the front of the room all the time and make all those decisions, it was uh, really quite terrifying for me. And I didn't feel, you know, I had what it took. But I was convinced by uh, a sitting MLA, uh, another woman who uh, wanted to have other women sit with her. And we had a small party at that time. And she didn't have any female colleagues. And she said, 
you know, Lori, I don't want to, I want strong women to work with me and I see you as a strong woman. And I was often speaking publicly. I'd be in the media sometimes for uh, the uh, social work uh, profession. And so uh, she convinced me. It took took a few uh, meetings for sure, but it was really, you know, I wanted change and I wanted things to be more fair and just and equal in in the province that I Mm. uh, live in. Um, But I couldn't do it without having her really uh, support me and uh, encourage me to step forward. That's wonderful first off that you did big risk and of course whenever we move forward in a new direction we develop all sorts of skills that maybe we wouldn't have before so good for you good for you and um so tell me or tell us rather a little bit about what your this is your second first off your second term and so a different experience, I imagine, than your first and confidence level and understanding how it all works um, as an insider as opposed to mm-hmm. outside politics. So what has been your experience? Can you describe your experience as a woman in politics? And having said that, I just want to say, we were talking before, I would love to one day be able to just talk to somebody about their experience in politics and not it being about a woman, or whether it be a man or a woman, but nonetheless, that's where we are, right? Um, and trying to bring more um, more women into politics, so different perspective. So having said that, I'll get off my soapbox and tell me a little bit about what your experience has been like as a woman in politics. Well, that's a big question. Yeah, I know it's a big question. <laughs> Catherine, but that's okay. We all start. Well, actually... You know, as you said, I uh, was just re-elected, so yes. that was my, my second time. Yes. I was uh, elected yes. for four years previously, and now we're starting another four years. But I did run uh, once before in 2012, and I didn't win. Mm-hmm. So I've had sort of a, a variety of experiences uh, in political life, like not winning initially. And I mean, I guess for me, that taught me. I needed to develop myself more, you know, and as a candidate, I think I really felt that if I wanted to run again, and I had made this commitment to this uh, other MLA who had asked me to run, that I needed to develop myself. And so I took some leadership courses and I did a lot of things to make myself a stronger candidate and just more confident in the front of the room like that. Because you were already a leader in the social work field. I yes. mean, you had taught, uh, if, if, if I, you know, I read your, your um, bio, and so you were in the field a long time, you had taught at local university um, in the field, so you were already a leader in that way, right, and used to being in the front in some ways, but what I'm hearing you say is it's a different ballgame, it's different in politics, so you went out, and so that loss was good in some ways. I'm hearing it it had you look at what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, and how can you um, improve, right? Exactly. It gave me an opportunity to have sort of some reflection and see where I, you know, myself fell short. And, uh, but you're correct. I was a leader in my profession. And, um, but the thing is, it was just a much smaller pond. A you much know? smaller pond. And I was moving more to a rather large lake, you know. And so it was like all the uh, 
I don't know, I guess some of the ways of my expressing or talking had to be expanded because it wasn't just for a specific audience of social workers. Mm -hmm. It was for the general public. Mm -hmm. And so everybody's coming from all sorts of different directions. And so how can I, uh, you know, be able to connect with that population, this very broad population, whereas, you know, it was just easy really for me to connect more with social workers because mm-hmm. we have the same common you know goal. exactly mm-hmm. we have the same value base we have the same code of ethics all this stuff you know I just took for granted and then when I had to you know speak to people from a, a very wide diversity uh, uh, I just knew that I needed to develop that more in myself and understand that but uh, so I mean that really was kind of a wake-up call because uh, I knew that I was going to run again. I had made that commitment. Uh, and uh, so I I did do some personal work, developed my confidence, and, uh, you know, just was, uh, you know, helping myself uh, feel more like I was okay being in, in this kind of very, I don't know, public way in front mm-hmm. of everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it worked, I guess, because I got elected in 2015. And, and, and re-elected. And I mean, re-elected been, just now. Yeah, yes. you just were re-elected in the springtime. And so, obviously, it worked. So, um, so was there, I, I want to stay just a little bit with, do, do you think, um, because I've heard different opinions, that it is different for women in politics different than a man in politics? Well, I mean, each individual brings, you know, their own lived experience. And so my experience as as a woman is different than a man's. Yes. You know, as it is in terms of perhaps my age to someone younger has a different lived experience or someone with a different ethnicity, you know, or someone with an ability or disability, you know, all of these things. And so that is why it is so important to have to see who's sitting at the table and if it is a diverse group. And women are 50% of the population. Yes. We should be 50% of the representatives because the voices of women, we know, actually it's the threshold of 30%. We know that when 30% of elected officials are women, there's much more family-friendly policies. So when you come as a woman, you may have children, I have three sons myself, you come and you're thinking about those kind of things. You're thinking about daycare, you're thinking about health care, you're thinking about the school system, you're thinking about all those things. And so women tend to bring those issues to the fore and make them important. So uh, certainly, I mean, and I come with my social work background too, but I I just say emphatically, yes, it's very different. And I think that women have... uh, you know, we have less connections to money. You need money in politics. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, powerful uh, people. And, you know, these are things that you need. I mean, I feel very fortunate to uh, be part of a party that sort of is very inclusive and values uh, people from all walks of life and certainly uh, was very supported by them and the leader and all of that. So, uh, but yeah, you experience, sometimes people still, even in 2019, think that, you know, women really shouldn't be in that kind of a role, you know, and, and, you know, certainly with social media, there's much more attack, Mm -hmm. you know, there's sexism, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, you know, when I was elected in 2015, I became uh, a minister right away because my party was government, 
and uh, I would be in meetings and I had a male chief of staff. A lot of times the people I'd met with, mostly men, you know, men in leadership would talk to my chief of staff, but not to me as the minister. So it was always very interesting that there's these subtle and not so subtle uh, ways of uh, sort of uh, not really seeing women as equal you know, even though I, I held the position mm-hmm. of the minister in charge, you know. And I know my female colleagues have, uh, we share many stories together. So, you know, s- some of them aren't very happy stories. It, it is challenging. And so, of course, until there is more equality there, more women coming into all types of business, it, it that will persist. And then as more women enter those fields that typically have been held, by men, I mean, it will change, right? It'll take time, but eventually it's going to change because the perception and the culture, and it will change. Uh, Just I having, think, yeah. absolutely. I mm-hmm. think it, it will change. And certainly when our government was elected, that our leader was a woman and she made sure that the cabinet was 50% women. Mm-hmm. And so that sea change, really, because usually it's about 20% in mm-hmm. Canada. You know, uh, our federal government now has about 30-something percent. But we had 50%. So that was really radical. And uh, it, it has changed. and It becomes um, more, like, necessary. People don't just think, oh, well, the best candidate will win. People are saying, no, we need to make sure that we have good female candidates. And sometimes there's more barriers for women. And so we need to help them and support them so that those barriers are taken away. And uh, I feel like the conversation has changed. I mean, there's more work to do. And even though, you know, myself as a woman experienced maybe more attack than a male counterpart, I'm you know, I feel emphatically uh, committed to continuing to pave the way for other women so that it is just like you say, that women are just in those roles and there isn't sort of an uncomfortableness with a female being in that the eventually role. we don't have to have that conversation about a man in politics or a woman in politics. It's just a good leader in politics. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, um, we are about to go to break. And please stay tuned because we're going to talk more with um, Lori Sigerson about the whole field of politics and her journey in it. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you curious about your unique astrological blueprint? Would you like guidance on how to work consciously with the planetary cycles affecting your life? Are you ready to expand your horizons and release limiting beliefs or patterns that inhibit your growth and happiness? With insight, compassion, and experience, Katherine Potter holds a clear place for your unfolding evolution. For more information, go to katherinepotter.ca. That's katherinepotter.ca. Are you a budding or closet metaphysician, mystic, or astrologer? Do you want to find out about upcoming programs, workshops, lectures, or retreats? You'll want to sign up for Catherine's free monthly newsletter and stay up to date with informative articles and workshop information. Visit CatherinePotter.ca to subscribe. From astrology to hypnotherapy and mysticism, you'll stay up to date on classes, consultations, and more. Visit CatherinePotter.ca and stay in touch today. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is you, the universe, the holistic mind with Katherine Potter. To reach the show today, please send an email to Potter at shaw.ca. That's Potter at shaw.ca. Now back to you, the universe, the holistic mind. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Um, I am talking to MLA Lori Sigurdsson, and we're talking about politics and her career as a woman in politics. And Lori, um, as a single mother, how how did you manage to balance your family life with your political career? Well, that's an excellent question, too, and that is something that... uh, was really important for me that uh, my family, uh, I didn't want to just go ahead without making sure that my children were on side. I'm a single mom, so uh, I don't have a partner. But um, my kids were a bit older, so that was helpful. I mean, if you have very young children, although many in our caucus have had children while in, in government, and we've certainly put supports around them to make sure that they were, but that wasn't my personal experience. I think my youngest was about 13 when I um, ran at first. So um, not looking for daycare at that point. No, right? exactly. So the needs change. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, there's always that emotional connection you have yes. with your kids. And I know sometimes I had to travel around the province and I wasn't available to them. I was very busy as a, as a minister. And uh, it did have some challenges for sure. But I guess the big thing, first of all, was first of all that, you know, I didn't go into this without uh, them being part of it. So they were part of my campaigns. They knew what I was up against. We talked about issues. So it was an open communication about that. And then besides that, I mean, I guess I had, uh, you know, family and friends that were around. And, you know, the the kid's uh, father, who's still very much involved in, this, in their life, you know, I would talk to him. I'd say, oh, I'm out of town, so I need you know, your support during this time. So, I mean, it was a lot of negotiating and supporting, and it's busy to do Juggling. That. And probably, yes. but I'm also hearing good communication, to just really keep Very the communication important. open so that um, you could juggle all of that, being a, a, a mother and... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And even my staff, to be quite honest, you know, sometimes my staff were checking up on my kids because we were away and I needed to make sure that something had happened. So, um yeah, it's a it's a team effort. You know, if I had it was it'd be impossible. I couldn't have done it without sort of a team of people around me and my children's sort of buy-in that they um, you know, they absolutely were very supportive of me running. But even having said that, there were still challenges, Catherine. There's just no doubt. And one time it was a particularly stressful time and there was in my uh 
particular portfolio, there was a lot of controversy, a lot of media, a lot of upset in the community. And I was sort of traveling the province to sort of quell some of these concerns. And I wasn't around and I was, uh, it was a difficult time for me and I was stressed for sure. And I can remember my youngest son said to me, Mom, I don't like your new job. <laughs> so, yeah. he, so you know, and so I was like, I'm feeling that way too. And like, it's like any job. Sometimes it's not going so great. And there was a particular time that was very challenging. But we learned from that. And I think I began as I carried on in my political career to sort of compartmentalize it a bit, you know, that I really made some sacred space for my kids where I wasn't so overwhelmed. But when I was first elected, it, it was overwhelming, there's no doubt. But, you know, getting support from people around me and things like that. And certainly there are bumps along the road, but I mean, the deep, uh, I guess, commitment to the values of uh, the party that I represent. I mean, I was certainly motivated, but, you know, there was uh, there was some challenges. A absolutely. learning curve, again, absolutely. right? Because yeah. it's a, a whole new field. Mm-hmm. It's a whole new field. Mm-hmm. And sometimes a hostile field. Very. Yeah, yes. it's very adversarial. And and in the public eye all the time. So that alone, I I would think, would be very challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more complicated then. More complicated, for sure. So, you had, as we talked about before, you had a really lengthy career as a social worker. So, what lessons from your previous career did you bring to your role as an MLA and um, minister? Mm-hmm. Well, I really feel fortunate that I have had, like, I, you know, that I am you know, I'm in my 50s, and mm-hmm. so I'm also uh, not 20. And not that yes. there isn't great representatives that are 20. I hear what you're saying. But I, for myself, really appreciate having sort of some experience under my belt. Yeah. And uh, being a social worker is great background for a politician because you really look at macro systems, larger systems, how policies and programs work because you're working in that all the time. And you also understand sort of uh, the micro systems, so how individuals and families are impacted by policies. So I felt like certainly in the area that I'm most interested in, that's why I ran provincially, is because of uh, social services and wanting to know what kind of public services need to make a healthier society. So uh, coming from that background was great. And then another really key aspect is just um, relationship. You know, social work is foundational on uh, relationships, starting where the client is at. And so you develop, uh, you learn interviewing skills, things like that. And I mean, what's better than that when you're door knocking or (laughs) in a town hall, people are asking you questions. And so really the skills of being an active listener really understanding what people are saying, understanding what's going on for them. I mean, I feel like I'm so grateful to have had that background because I could see some of my colleagues really struggling who didn't, who had different, you know, um, different educational backgrounds. And uh, so I'm so grateful to have come into politics. I think that it's actually a pretty natural connection between social work and politics. So, uh, Lots of things in my profession help me. So here's what I find interesting. Um, What I'm hearing and I think, wow, of course this would make a natural, um, you know, hand in glove sort of thing. Because not as, as a social worker, 
you were seeing the impact of some of the choices made by the, you know, the government, you know, the people in power, as opposed to having, you know, three steps away where you're making those choices, but you're not seeing the always or understanding the impact of some of the policies, right? And so it's like you have both both um, sides, right? You 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 have experienced both sides, being part of what is uh, a policy uh, that's being developed, and and then also having the uh, seeing the impact of those things. So yeah, it sounds to me like maybe creates a lot of empathy, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, and um, awareness that you know, so to speak, things that head off as often on a ground level don't work the way we think they're going to work, yeah. right? Yes. Absolutely, having that sort of uh, frontline experience, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. but also understanding sort of the larger systems, which is more sort of uh, yeah. at the executive level, I yes. guess. Yes, yes. And so those things are, are uh, very important. And the thing is, too, I, I mean, you know, we often talk in social work about you can pay now or you can pay later, like much more. So sometimes the costs of poverty and things. So when you do cut a program, what are the impacts? And then what happens further down the line? They may People may end up in expensive services like the emergency board or things like that. But if we can do preventative work to support housing, then people can, you know, our, our society can save lots of money. People can live in dignity. Like, and so uh, certainly uh, the party I represent very much cares about inclusive programming, um, having good public services, so all people are supported. So, you know, you know what is, um, you know, what's important for people. And so, you know, when you cut that program, well, these are the ramifications. This is the ripple effect, you know, that is going to hurt in the long run. So um, a key word there is preventive, working in a preventive way so that we're not always going in and dealing with a crisis situation because something, uh, you know, a particular uh, funding was cut for something that, yes, yes. You know what, did I even mention um, which party that you're NDP? (laughs) (laughs) My apologies. I was just so excited to have you come and talk about your uh, politics and your career in politics that um, mm-hmm. I know I said you're writing but forgot for so for those of you who are um, in the Alberta area or Canadian um, Laurie works for or is uh, the end running with or is an NDP um, MLA yeah. yes yes so we are um, just a quick more question, a quick question before we um, go to break. As I listen to you talk, I'm hearing you talk about, um, you know, how your how your background, your education background, your work background has, I'm hearing, created good empathy, good awareness of. You know, first off, certain things, you know, there has to be, there's only funding for so many things, but what's the implication of taking or giving? Um, And so, as a, a voter, right, I like to be able to know, right, that that the person I'm voting in is aware of, that it's not somebody who is distant and not really thinking about 
the uh, ramifications of a particular policy, a decision made, and, and that it's not all cut and dried. And so I, I wonder, and, you know, we were talking a little bit about, you know, as somebody looking on the outside looking in, maybe we can be a bit naive or not quite understanding how everything works. But I often wonder, um, you know, is there not a training that all people who are running for um, wanting to be elected, whether it be at a, um, a city or provincial or federal level, why don't we have just some basic training? You know, whether it be you, you had that through your background, right? But mediation and communication and how to work collaboratively. Um, and not just how to work collaborat- collaboratively with the people in your party, but how when you're working with all those, you know, with all of the diversity and the opinions and the perspectives, how does it turn, how can we work more collaboratively? How can our politicians work more collaboratively? So that after the election, as, you know, as, as a voter, um, we know that they're taking care of, Mm-hmm. They're taking care of us in a different way. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious about, you know, I'm, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot, but a little bit about do you think it would be good for certain types of courses mm-hmm. to be um, mandatory? Mm-hmm. That if you're running for election, right? Yeah. So your opinion on that? <laughs> well, I think that each party, you know, yeah. each political party, does individually uh, give those kind that kind of information to their candidates, right? People are running, you learn about door knocking, what's door knocking about, how to communicate, how to be a good listener. You know, it's, it's different than social work. You know, it's not perhaps as in-depth, of course, of getting a professional degree or anything. But each party has it, and it's based on their value system, right? So, um, uh, and, you know, you would want... Uh, certainly, I think there's some general things that we could talk about. So certainly you would want your MLA to be open so that you could connect with them. So you'd be able to access them at the constituency office. I have meetings, um, you know, hundreds of them a year with constituents in my office. And so I come and they bring their concern and we work together on that. So, but yet I hear oftentimes that, well, I can't get hold of my MLA, you know, I can't uh, have access to them. But I mean, I certainly think that that's fundamental to representation or, you know, just being at community events and being able to be um, accessible in that kind of a way also. So, I mean, I think the particular parties do have their flavor of what they want to develop in an MLA. I'm just talking about provincial Mm -hmm. politics now. Mm -hmm. So there is some of that training. But I think perhaps, Catherine, you're talking about something much grander. And I mean, it might not be a a bad idea, you know, for us all to work collaboratively. And not that, you know, when you're elected official, you're sitting in the legislature, that we don't sometimes all vote in unison on a particular bill. And sometimes we don't on another one. So there is times when we are collaborative. But, you know, I think a lot of people just see the ad 
adversarial piece of it. And certainly as we move into the federal election coming up, you know, and we just finished the provincial, which was in the spring mm-hmm. here in Alberta. Mm-hmm. So we see a lot of adversarial adversary politics I guess and I know at the doors when I'm knocking a lot of people say I don't like that I want to hear about what your party's doing I don't want to hear you slamming the other party and it's uh you know I have some sympathy for that absolutely because uh we want to share our vision of it and uh move forward on that but it's kind of a challenging thing with uh people sometimes have to know what could go wrong also and I mean, we could talk for a long time, I'm sure, about mm-hmm. how, uh, what, where's the line that should not be crossed? Because, uh, you know, sometimes our neighbors to the south, the U.S., sometimes we see stuff there that we think, oh, we don't want that to happen here, you know, because it can be extremely uh, personal attacks and things like that, that I just, I think, don't really serve anybody. And yet, and we're a little bit off tro- topic, but not at, and yet we're seeing that in smaller numbers here. Right. We're, yes. We are seeing it in smaller numbers in, in um, Canadian politics. And I know personally that's not a place that I want to go to, right, because I would prefer to hear what a person has to say. and um, yeah. their, their vision and their values, yes. Yes, their vision and their values. And we were talking a little bit before, and we were talking about, of course, um, a lot of that has to do with the politicians own set of values and their ethics and yes there will be points where you're having to go into like a very strong public debate about something Um, but there's a way to do that in is this fair to say an honorable respectful and yet still put your point across in a really strong way well I think absolutely and it's about you know, the expansion of the political discourses. That's what, how I would say it. I think sometimes now, I think specifically, I'll speak just for that, is that um, somehow any kind of dissension or questioning of policy, it can be just seen as, um, I don't know, it, then it's not okay, or, or then the conversation closes down. Instead of it going, okay, we disagree, but we can disagree respectfully, and let's hear each other out. Like, I mean, I think that that is really what a healthy democracy is. You know, uh, I just remember a story from a, a long time ago when Premier Ralph Klein was in, and he would, uh, me, social workers, uh, left wing nuts. And mm-hmm. so I remember at one conference, we all wore those little left-wing nuts that you can put a pin through and wear on our lapels. And it, but it was just that kind of stuff, just this big hand of attack, you know, trying to keep you quiet instead of, okay, well, this is my view, this is your view. Like, I mean, I think, I, I feel that there's an opportunity for that kind of respectful discourse, but uh, it sometimes isn't available, but... So I guess I'd like it to be that, Catherine, but it's not always that way. And I try my best not to just slam another politician and certainly not, not personal attacks, but really look at the policy and the concerns I have about that particular policy. Which I really appreciate. So you're the type of politician who appeals to me and probably appeals to a lot of people. Because, yes, we want someone to be able to go and fight 
for, you know, whatever, whatever our perspective is, but to be able to fight in a way that you're not trying to kill or diminish the other person, right? That you can have this big debate, but the bottom line that at the end of it, there's been mutual respect, even if there's not agreement, Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just even um, how to communicate in that way, how to debate in that way would be so very powerful. So, you know, Laurie, whenever I'm interviewing somebody, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, mm, oh, boy, I know you're not and um, you're not trying to go federal. But, you know, I listen to someone like you and I'd like to push you gently into you're already doing a wonderful job but I think oh we need more politicians like this like you at federal level and and I know there's some great people out there so I'm not you know and political uh, at a um, provincial level and you know city right in municipal and you know, it's the idealist in me. I'd love to see the world change. I'd like to hear those kinds of debates where people can strongly voice their opinion, but not to do it in a way that diminishes another yes. person. Mm-hmm. So I love hearing that from you. And this is why you're good mm-hmm. at what you do. <laughs> so um, I would, I, you had um, an interesting, hard health challenge Why you, while you were in... Uh, while you were a minister, right? Because I believe, if I'm correct, that it was previous to your re-election. It was in your first, yes. Um, Wow. So how did that change you? How did that affect you? How were you able to hold? Okay, yeah. Yeah, you're referring to, I mean, I I have leukemia. I was diagnosed with leukemia in May of 2018. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of similar, Catherine, to being a single mom and running politically as a woman. It's you can't do anything alone and you have to have people around you. And I'm so grateful for the support of uh, my NDP caucus. They were phenomenal and very supportive of me. And obviously, at some times I couldn't fulfill on my minister's duties, but I was never... um, You know, that portfolio was never taken away from me. The leader still, you know, kept uh, uh, me as the Minister of Seniors and Housing at that time. So I'm very grateful for that. And, uh, of course, I did what I could, but I was having chemotherapy and I was, you know, in treatment for about, uh, you know, almost a year. But anyway, I still have leukemia, but I'm done treatment and the prognosis looks very good. So I'm I'm so grateful for our amazing health system. Um, but it was really um, so key that, uh, you know, others were there to support me through this. And my family was there, of course, and my staff. And uh, it's amazing, you know, it, it is really about all those connections and how you can get through a very, very tough time. Because at first we didn't know if I was going to make it, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a pretty uh, challenging time for me. But... I mean, I just feel like it speaks to, you know, the values of of the NDP, that we all work together and it's inclusive and that people may have some vulnerabilities at different times. And this was mine at this. It was a health issue. You know, uh, other uh, ministers had other challenges. We supported them through that. So um, I'm just so grateful. I think it just opened, um, you know, it helped me realize even more 
about how uh, connected we are and just how we can't do anything alone and how grateful I am to have been uh, in that very supportive environment when I was so sick. Very powerful and and you're right, brings us back to how important relationships are and community and support. And uh, well, I'm glad, I'm glad that you're doing better, right? And that you've had good optimistic uh, diagnosis. Yes. So we're about to go to break. And um, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the um, policy changes that uh, MLA Lori Sigerson was really pleased about while well, she was, um, for which, we, uh, we, I'm sorry, what was your Ministry of uh, Seniors and Health? Because you've had both. You, you've, uh, had, you were a minister for, what was the other? Advanced Education okay. and also a Minister of Labor. So, okay. Yeah, there's oh, a few oh my goodness. Yes, you've been working hard. <laughs> All right. So when we come back, let's find out which policy changes you were most pleased and proud of um, during your time in government so far. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you curious about your unique astrological blueprint? Would you like guidance on how to work consciously with the planetary cycles affecting your life? Are you ready to expand your horizons and release limiting beliefs or patterns that inhibit your growth and happiness? With insight, compassion, and experience, Catherine Potter holds a clear place for your unfolding evolution. For more information, go to katherinepotter.ca. That's katherinepotter.ca. Are you a budding or closet metaphysician, mystic, or astrologer? Do you want to find out about upcoming programs, workshops, lectures, or retreats? You'll want to sign up for Catherine's free monthly newsletter and stay up to date with informative articles and workshop information. Visit katherinepotter.ca to subscribe. From astrology to hypnotherapy and mysticism, you'll stay up to date on classes, consultations, and more. Visit katherinepotter.ca and stay in touch today. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is you, the universe, the holistic mind with Katherine Potter. To reach the show today, please send an email to Potter at shaw.ca. That's Potter at shaw.ca. Now back to you, the universe, the holistic mind. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Um, I'm talking to MLA Lori Sigurdsson, and we've been talking about politics, women in politics, the changing face of politics. And um, I, I'm just curious as to, to know what policy change uh, while you've been, your time in government, which policy change is the one that you're most pleased or proud of? 
Well, if I could sort of toot my own horn in in the ministry that I was responsible for, which was the Ministry of Seniors and Housing, our government in a very difficult fiscal time did commit $1.2 billion to affordable housing. And this is an area that really has uh, not, there hasn't been much investment for many years. Like our investment was four times more than the previous government's last budget. So it was a really stand up, we're we're making a stand. It's important for people to have this fundamental human right of affordable housing. And uh, so, uh, you know, that really brought forward a lot more development and uh, opportunities to do renovations on suites that might not have been accessible because, you know, every time a suite turns over in uh, affordable housing, you know, you have to upgrade it or, you know, put the new carpet in or all those things. So there hadn't been funding for that or not very much funding for that for a long time. And yet we have a tremendous need for affordable housing in our province. So we made a big investment. And just like I spoke about earlier about preventative social services. So this is another example. If people have a safe place that's appropriate, like for their family size, um, to live that can make a huge difference in their lives it gives them that stable address so they can perhaps uh, get a full-time job or the kids can be uh, in a regular school like there's so many things that can come from having uh, you know uh, affordable housing uh, in your community so it just makes a difference for people because really you know the maximum people should be spending is 30 percent of their uh, income on housing but people are spending more 50 60 percent sometimes and so what does that mean that they can't you know give them good quality uh, food maybe vegetables and fruit which are more expensive those kind of things so if we as a government um, collectively work together to provide housing then uh, I think that's really a very fundamental uh, piece of, of caring for a society and I was very pleased to be able to make that kind of investment and I know I can see and of course an investment like that you know uh, rolls out over years ripple effect yeah it's going to be a long long term um, yeah so i still see these uh you know housing uh projects opening up now you know even though we're not government anymore and uh and i can't announce it i'm still very proud of of it was us who brought that yeah, an important thing. Yeah, it is interesting, of course, because as a politician, there might be things that have that you are an advocate for, but then the next government, uh, you know, is going to get the credit for, right? That's how yeah. it works. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'd like that. <laughs> so interesting. Um, so, you know, when I'm talking to you, you again, come across as a, a, a person who has a fair bit of empathy and humility. And so I'm just curious, um, what role has humility played in your personal outlook and how you engage in politics? Well, I think sort of when you say humility, I think well, I, I already feel like my feet are firmly on the ground. I don't mm-hmm. have any kind of, uh, whoa, I'm an elected official, or, you know, mm-hmm. that I'm sort of full of myself that that because I was elected, I, I yeah, I feel pretty grounded and um, I'm just a regular person, you know, I'm a regular 
gal who's a single mom and, you know, works to feed her kids and, uh, you know, lives in a community in Edmonton. I don't feel like I uh, have anything extraordinary, you know, and I, I would not have even run politically if I hadn't had this tremendous support around me. So I feel like I just, I just relate to people like I'm, I'm you, you know, or you're me or, you know, I don't feel like I have anything extraordinary. But I mean, I have some understanding of how systems work. I have some access to power, of course. And so, you know, I want to help, you know, everyone. I want to make sure that Albertans have the supports they need, that we have a thriving economy, uh, that we care about our environment, take care of the climate. We have a great education system, all of those things. So it's just kind of all the things I'd want for my family. I want for my neighbor, next door to me or across the city or in the inner city you know so it's so I don't even really think about being humble I think I just am who I am and I you know I I I don't feel like I you know I mean it's super honor to be an elected official but it doesn't make me somehow special I'm just a regular Albertan just a regular Albertan I like that and you know I'm hearing about um caring not just for family but the caring that then uh, becomes caring for your neighbors and caring for the province and caring for um, and the recognition so here's where I'm hearing the the humilities the recognition that it has been a team and that when you were strong it was a team that helped you get there and when you had some um, adversity and challenges you had to face it was a team that got you there and that it's you and about you also but but support right and and a team working together well said Catherine you filled in what I should have (laughs) well I think sometimes other people can see (laughs) I'm thinking oh what makes her humble I thought well it's all the things she's talking about and Mm -hmm. the willingness to give credit you know first up to yourself but to the team of people around you. So, yeah, bravo, bravo. Thank well you. Well done. Thank you. I, I, you know, and you know what? I think probably public figures and politicians don't hear enough that they have a hard job. And, you know, everybody, especially now with social media, is a critic. And sometimes I think things are not always... Um, uh, put out in a in a positive way you know sometimes it's too much about ratings and shock and sometimes we forget that this is just people like us trying to do the best they can in sometimes a hostile environment and it's a complicated situation running a province running a city running a country you know we were talking before it's very very complicated it's it's Mm -hmm. many many needs lots of diversity Mm -hmm. and yes so so maybe sometimes we forget to say thank you right to the people who are working so hard for us so whether it be the politician or the people who keep our cities running all the public service right because politician really is a public servant aren't they absolutely that's how i look at it It is a public servant Mm -hmm. and i mean it's similar to my work as a social worker but we we would talk in social work a lot about flattening the hierarchy 
you know, so that we're not, you know, that it's not such a vertical structure, that we're working collaboratively and together. And I certainly bring that into politics, too, that I, um, but I don't want to be naive. There is a privilege of I'm a white woman in this society. I have privilege. And I also have an elected position that has access to power. So, I mean, I just don't want to minimize no, that and be no. naive about yeah. that. It's you're, not like, you're appreciating what you have. And yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. So, Lori, we're coming soon uh, to the end of our show. And, you know, I I asked you about does there need to be some training for our leaders, you know, in different ways. What do you think about as as a voter? Don't mm-hmm. I need to get better educated? So tell me, mm-hmm. um, talk to me about that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, in a democracy, I mean, there is some responsibilities. Certainly there's responsibilities for me as an elected official, how I represent and support my constituents. But it also is about the responsibilities of the voter, of the citizen. And so if uh, a democracy works best if the citizens are informed, they know what's going on, so you're paying attention. You know what's happening in your community, what's happening in your school, in the healthcare system, uh, what's happening in the economy, in climate leadership, things like that. You know, you just need to know about some of the larger issues. And voting, it's, you know, it's so sad. I, it sort of breaks my heart that uh, we have such low voter turnout. I mean, last election, it was a little bit higher. In 2015, it was 54. So just a little over half of Albertans who were eligible voted. And it was like 64, I think. So it went up quite a bit this past election. But still, those numbers are so low. So people somehow feel um, that their voice doesn't matter. But of course it does. So I just encourage people, if you are informed, like I have town halls twice a year. You know, you're, I'm, you're welcome to meet with me and my constituency. I speak at lots of public events or attend them. But get to know your MLA. As we talked about, we're just regular folks. And, uh, you know, maybe that'll help uh, people get more involved. So, I mean, I think I just to be curious because, you know, uh, an elected official can make some very significant decisions that can very strongly impact your life for the good or for not so good yes so if you are giving up your power by not voting or not getting involved you know it's it it's very tragic and that can impact you and your family and you may not want that so um you know really getting curious about who is this person who's my representative and uh you know i should have conversation with them i just welcome people to uh, be in touch with their mlas All right, everybody, you heard it from one of our harder workers out there. Get out and vote. We have got an election coming out this fall. Lori, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story and your experience. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time out of a really busy schedule. So thank you. Well, it's been my pleasure, Catherine. Thank you so yeah. much. So you can, by the way, you can follow Lori. I believe she's on YouTube, or not, sorry, on um, Facebook and Twitter. Yes. Right? And so you can follow her and hear what is current and what's going on in the NDP government and what's going on with her in particular. So... Uh, if you'd like to contact me, you can contact me by going to my website, katherinepotter.ca, or email katherinepotter at shaw.ca. 
And until next week, my my next guest is going to be Pearl Gregoire, and we're going to have a conversation about dreams, healing, the divine feminine, and the integration of masculine feminine energies. Until then, enjoy your week, and remember to lead by example, whether you're a parent, a leader in your community, in business politics. The world needs us to act in a more integrated and holistic way. You have a good week. Thank you for listening this week. Please join your host, Catherine Potter, for another edition of You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind, next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we speak again, have a great week.